Welcome to What the Hex, your source for Warhammer Underworlds and under 30 new nemesises, nemeses, however you want to say that. I'm your host, Phil, and joining me tonight, special guest, we've got Jared coming over from Battle Mallet. How are you doing, Jared? I'm good, Phil, and it's a, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm, I'm excited. I was excited to play the game, and I'm excited to talk about the game uh, awesome. tonight. Yeah, so uh, if if you aren't already familiar, listener, uh, Jared and Battle Mallet, a uh, podcast that uh, focuses primarily on the Rivals and what is formerly known as Rivals Plus, now Nemesis. Uh, you want to give us just a quick quick rundown on your show and what you guys are uh, all about? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so we kind of have a tagline where the the journey of four busy gamers uh, as they travel to the Nova Open Convention, which is in Northern Virginia that we go to every year, uh, playing games that we love and balancing life with those games. So the podcast in its initiation was originally around playing Warhammer 40k, Age of Sigmar, and Warhammer Underworlds. It has since evolved to be mostly Warhammer Underworlds with a sprinkling of the other games plus things like Marvel Crisis Protocol, but we're all dads with small children, and we talk about that a lot too. But our focus, as you said, lately has been on the Rivals and Nemesis format for Warhammer Underworlds. Awesome. Well, I assume you guys, I mean, I've I've listened to your most recent episode. You definitely seem like you're very excited for this new format. Would you say that it is uh, something you guys are really looking forward to? It is, yes. so we've always enjoyed championship, but we've noticed, especially after the world started opening back up, that our Warhammer Underworlds community had kind of collapsed on itself and the barrier to entry was very large. And sure. trying to get into championship format with all of the cards and everything that were required, uh, it was just very daunting for a lot of players. They released yeah. the Rivals format with the Rivals decks. And that opened up new players for us. So our community has gone from basically the podcast, three of us, to uh, anywhere around eight or ten now, depending on who we can entice. Awesome. And we're really looking forward to continuing to grow that through Nemesis to get some more of the deck building into the game, but without it being just prohibitively expensive slash kind of got to catch them all feeling. Um, so yeah, so we're excited. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And that's really, you know, a good point in that, um, this, this new format, I mean, it, it's existed, but not officially very much. And it really is that sort of nice stepping stone, right? You used to have, you have rivals and then you had championship and it was like, there's a huge jump between these two formats. Um, and this way it's like, I can just, you know, I've started, I have the warband that I like, and I'm just going to add a little bit. And then it's like, oh, may, well, maybe you want to add a little bit more and you try out a different deck. And now you've got, you know, a few different releases. And you're halfway to being able to play championship. So I agree. Very excited. Um, I think our community is also pretty excited for this. We have a lot of fairly dedicated championship players in our area, which is, uh, you know, we're blessed to have that. But I know there's even in our group, a number of folks who they're just not interested in playing uh, war bands besides the ones they're interested in. And Nemesis really gives them that opportunity to just focus on what they want rather than 
having to feel like they have to buy everything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, with, you know, this new this new season of Gnarlwood and these two new warbands, we decided that a cool thing that we could do to showcase this format is to do our audio bat rep of a nemesis game. Um, and we actually did it straight out of the box. So the uh, topic for today is going to be a nemesis battle between Gnarl Spirit and Velmorn. Um, getting the, uh, the Dark Oath and the Skillabros going at it. Um, but before we jump into that, we have our What the Hex is Going On With You segment. And Jared, since you are the guest, would you like to start? What the Hex have you been up to? Yeah, um, no, I would love to start. So um, for me, it has been building the uh, the box. Um, so building the warbands um, nice. and getting those assembled and primed. And and I have begun painting the Sons of Elmorn. Um, so for anyone that doesn't know, I play OCR Bone Reapers in Age of Sigmar. And I have a color palette picked out for them. Their armor plates are red and the bones are grays and blacks. And so, and the cloth is green. And so I'm translating that color palette onto the sons of Velmorn. So their large cloaks will be green. The smaller pieces of cloth in the front will be black. The armor plates will continue to be red. Uh, the trim, I think that is gold on the armor, uh, on the box art is going to be like a gray. And mm. then I will actually go to bone color for the actual bones. Um, uh, but I'm excited about it. And, uh, hopefully I will get them finished up and posted. Uh, on the internet for the world to view soon. Um, That's yeah. very cool. Yeah, we, uh, one of our guys here, um, Josh, he's uh, he's also very much into the uh, the Bone Boys. So he, he's been playing the Reapers for a while. And uh, I think he's, well, <laughs> I, I think in his own words, much more excited for the Sons of Elmore until he actually saw them in action. Um, and we can talk a little bit about that as we get going with the decks, but, uh, for myself, um, I actually have not been able to get my hands on a box yet. Um, I still need to double check if they've gotten any more at our local shops. Um, but people buy up all of our stuff right away. Good problem to have. Um, so still looking to get a box, but I have been building a number of different decks. I've been looking at spike claw swarm and the Starblood Stalkers, I think they'll both be very interesting now in this new sort of rotated card pool, um, both in Championship and in Nemesis. So been giving those guys a whirl, gonna get them back out, dust them off, see how they do. Yeah. Yeah, so in that vein, the Battle Mallet has also been doing a lot of deck building. Yeah. Um, so if I can make a small plug. Of course. Um, so our website is battle-mallet.com. And on that website, we have created a starter nemesis deck for all 46 warbands at this point. Um, so starting with, um, uh, storm sires champions and Garrick's reavers all the way up through the gnarl spirit pack and the sons of Elmorn, we have taken all of the available, uh, relic, uh, rivals decks that can be purchased separately. So, uh, mm -hmm. illusory might. Uh, Deadly Depths, and then the two Rivals decks that come in Narwood, the uh, Tooth, Tooth and Claw, and Daring de 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 Daring Delvers. Yep. Daring Delvers, <laughs> Deadly Depths. It's man, they yeah, they know, get us right? any right. 
So <laughs> the point being that that we have taken those four rivals decks and we have combined them with all 46 war bands. So if you are not sure where at all to start with your nemesis deck building, um, we've we have created this resource um, for anyone that's getting started or for anyone that wants to get their friend group, board game group, tabletop gaming group started, and they just need a place to go. Uh, we'll tweak it as new decks come out. We'll tweak it based on uh, you know feedback that we receive from the community, both local community and the greater community uh, abroad. Um, but we're excited about it, and, and we hope that it will be kind of a living library for people that need a place to get just started with a Nemesis deck just to get an idea. Sure, yeah. Just a, I, I want to play something right now, and I don't want to have to think about it. That sounds right. like an awesome thing to have. Uh, we'll definitely link it up for folks. If So if you're looking for this, uh, check out the show notes. All right. Let's jump into the main topic then, the the battle between the Gnarl Spirit Pack and the Sons of Elmorn. Uh, so, so I took the Gnarl Spirit Pack, you took Sons of Elmorn. We wanted to keep all of this in box, so we decided we would take the aforementioned uh, Tooth and Claw and Daring Delvers decks and mix them in. Um, do you want to just give like a quick rundown of the deck that you built um, at a high level, just sort of like how many how many things did you change out? How much did you feel like you needed to switch in? What synergized well uh, from the Daring Delvers? Yeah, so um, so out of the 12 objectives, six of those came from Daring Delvers. Uh, and I think a lot of that stems from uh, maybe some weaker surge objectives on the, on the Sons of Elmore side. Um, and then... I think that there's a balance to be made in doing what the Sons of Elmorn want to do and doing what the Daring Delvers deck wants to do in mm-hmm. um, in the end phase. And uh, there are, are a couple of, of good um, two glory end phase cards that, spoiler alert, I ended up not scoring anyway. Um, <laughs> but it looked good when I was building the deck. Um, yeah. between, between Cautious Venture and Sleepless Sentries, um, I felt like... I had a good, good chance of, of crowding into enemy territory and being close to your fighters, um, to sure. score, you know, that, that coveted two glory in phase. Um, so that was, so on the objective side, it was 50, 50. Um, I only and, pulled two ploys, um, from, from daring Delvers. And I think that's because a lot of the ploys that exist for the sons of Velmorn, uh, really double into what they want to do already. Um, you have the ability to raise, one of your out of action fighters there, you know, you can heal that, that raised fighter to bring them back to full health. Um, and then I ended up pulling three upgrades from the daring delvers. And that was mostly to get the keyword explorer onto different fighters. Um, so sure. And for folks who, uh, haven't checked it out yet. Um, why would you want to have the explorer keyword? Yeah, exactly. That's a that's a good question that I should have foreseen and answered. Um, I was too busy <laughs> daringly delving into yes. the deck. Um, so the Daring Delvers Rivals deck comes with a plot card, which is just an additional set of rules for playing. I think you covered this uh, yes. uh, in in when you covered the box itself, but there is an exploration count to be built. And one of the ways that you can grow that exploration count uh, is by having friendly surviving explorers uh, not in your own territory. So the Sons of Elmore don't have the explorer keyword by default, so I needed the upgrades to put that on them so that I could 
grow my exploration count and they're therefore score different cards based on my exploration count. Absolutely. <clears throat> uh, all right. Well, how about those upgrades? Yeah. So that was the, so I picked all terrain gear, which is plus one move, which is great for them because they're slow. I picked dowsing limb and this one actually kind of worked out in my favor a couple of times in the game. It, it allows you to uh, optionally push. Yes. Uh, <laughs> a fighter along a scatter too. Um, so, you know, if you, if your scatter isn't exactly what you want, but you get one of the directions that you want, you can at least push away. Um, and then uh, prospector is another one. Uh, and this one has the reaction after this fighter's activation, place one available feature token within one hex of this fighter. Placing tokens is another way to grow your exploration count. Um, you do have to give this fighter one charge token, but it turns out that when you only have one fighter left, it doesn't matter whether you have charge tokens or not. You can still activate that fighter. Yeah. New rule uh, yeah. for folks who haven't checked out all the new rules yet. Um, that's a new thing. If if all your fighters have been charged, then they can continue to activate. They just can't charge again. So then outside of that, I continue to take Sons of Elmorn upgrades. There's the favored son, which uh, gives an additional defense. As long as your leader is alive, the heirloom weapon, which is that coveted plus one damage upgrade. Um, and then, you know, other accuracy upgrades or, or, um, the upgrade that allows you to resurrect fighters. So, yeah. Uh, overall, how did you feel that it, uh, you know, on paper, how did it feel for synergizing with the sons of Elmorn? So, you know, looking at the sons of Elmorn and the things that they want to do naturally, it feels like they want to play kind of reactively, maybe in their own territory, but uh, if if nothing else, just across the line. So whether that's in no no one's territory or just on the other side of no one's territory. And the Daring Delvers deck similarly wants to be either in no one's territory or in enemy territory. Um, so it felt like yeah. there was some synergy there. Uh, the fighters, I mean, they're not the beefiest, but being on on block and having three wounds... You know, I felt like there was a chance that I was going to have some fighters that were going to be able to stick around to be on feature tokens, to hold objectives. Um, you know, there's some some clever pushes that you can do, whether it's a reactive push or or even resurrecting a fighter that allows you to get uh, fighters onto objectives without having to move them. Um, and then the ability to place feature tokens to be on through the ploys um, that exist in daring delvers. You know, I felt like I felt like I had a shot. Um, so, and, and it was a fun exploration in kind of figuring out how to make, um, what is probably a very aggressive war ban that inspires based on supported <laughs> critical hits. Yeah. Um, into something that it was a little more flex. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I thought it was a very interesting strategy as we played the game, um, which we'll talk about in a little bit more. But um, it it's it's one of those things that it's hard to imagine how the exploration stuff is going to work when you're just reading through the cards. But seeing it in action, it was like, oh, wow, this is actually like doing its thing. Um, and, you know, again, spoiler uh, at that point in the game, you only had one fighter and you still were able to get up to an exploration count of six, I think. So. Right. Um, it it definitely felt like it was working. Um, it's just uh, as you'll find out later. Um, sometimes violence is the answer. 
<laughs> and 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 that is okay in the world of arena combat. Yep, yep. When everybody is just uh, wanting to get in there and tussle, sometimes that is that is okay. Uh, yeah. Um, so so speaking of violence and being the answer, the Gnarl Spirit Pack. Um, it, yeah, that's what they want to do. They just they just want to get in and they just want to chop chop people up um and so tooth and claw that is also if you couldn't have guessed from the name and you haven't looked at the deck yet that is pretty much what tooth and claw wants to do um it's very aggressive um just pretty much rewarding you for charging um their the plot card in that deck is uh having fighters become what's called savage um you are savage in one of three ways. Either you have a charge token, you have been staggered, or you have two or more wound counters. And so, you know, the, the different cards from that deck check, you know, whether you're savage or not for a number of different things. And getting savage is primarily a byproduct of charging at your opponent. So I, I replaced out um, four objectives four gambits and five upgrades from that deck um, and all of them were focused on being more aggressive um, doing things like charging um, so the objectives i added in were uh, embraced savagery which is just have all your fighters be savage focal point which is have your leader in enemy territory and then be within two hexes of two or more fighters from two or more warbands so it's kind of like unafraid for just your leader, but it has to be both yours and your opponent's warband. Um, fully committed, which is just being having all your fighters be savage and be in enemy territory, and then uh, move or die, which is have a mover charge token on all your fighters, which uh, for semi-elite warbands is not particularly difficult. And again, it's like for a warband that just wants to be aggro, it's just doing the thing you want to do anyway you're just charging at your opponent so it all kind of works um and then uh in in the uh gambits it's all you know there's determined brutality which is an accuracy boost dark command which is a ping um call to heal which is a push and then internal surrender which is accuracy boost so it's all again just more stuff for being aggressive um and then the the upgrades uh you've got Fair alteration, which is uh, extra movement and wounds, but f not for large fighters, um, and gives knockback one. Gifted ferocity, which is an accuracy boost. Gifted vitality, which lets you heal a fighter um, at the end of every round. Stubborn to the bone, you can't be pushed if you're set. Uh, and then if you are uh, savage, you get to reroll one of your defense dice. So it can. Um, just be a, a way to sort of help your fighter who's charged survive um and then beast caller was the last one that i added in which is another support thing for savage fighters um so all in all i mean it wasn't hard to try and synergize this uh like i said everything was just let's be aggressive and just go in and chop um and that's i think pretty much gnarl spirit pack in a nutshell at least the sort of really basic level of gnarl spirit pack um i think you could do some other things with them but 
on the whole, that just feels like the easy, the easy route. Um, but yeah, so that's the decks and let's get into the battle. So we starting out, present our plot cards, because that is a new thing that you have to do. You have to present right. those when you start out. And I have you place the first board. Uh, what were you thinking about when you were placing this board? Yeah, so I knew that you were going to be aggressive um, yep. because you're a gnarled spirit pack and you picked Tooth and Claw. Um, so I wanted um, I wanted to pick a board that had hexes that allowed me to be flexible in where I placed. I didn't want to be, I didn't want to have all my fighters right on the front um, mm -hmm. and make it easy for you to get to all of them. Um, uh, with five fighters, there's going to be at least one that's going to be easy to get to. Um, uh, but I also needed to think about my own positioning in making sure that I was going to be able to get into no one's territory or your territory without over much difficulty. Um, and so in, in the vein of, um, playing out of the box, I went with the stricken swamp, um, which has a, a, a fair number of hexes in the middle. So near the, mm -hmm. the midline of, of the board, uh, if you place them wide. Um, so it, it allowed me to put fighters far enough back that you would have to come deeper into my territory to get to me, but not so far back that it was going to take me, you know, maybe more than a turn to get them out of my territory and start growing that exploration count. And then the other thing that I thought about was, uh, since I was not going to be able to pick the arrangement, I did not want to grant any additional uh, damage potential. So I chose True. a board that did not have any lethal hexes. Yeah. Uh, and uh, But I did pick some cover hexes because there are uh, things in the Daring, Devil, Daring Delver's deck uh, that you can be on feature tokens, cover hexes, or lethal hexes. So basically any kind of special hex. Yeah. Um, and so I, I put picked one that had a couple of cover hexes on it um, to, to give myself options for scoring those cards definitely and uh it's fairly balanced board um for folks who haven't looked at the boards too closely yet it's got you know a pretty mirrored setup where you've got um one one deployment way in the back one way in the front and then all the rest are sort of scattered throughout the middle but they're spaced across uh both sides of the board long ways so um gives you plenty of options um yeah, and so when you place that one, I knew it was going to be a pretty balanced setup. Um, nothing really to worry about. It's you know clear, clear running. There's no blocked hexes, nothing like that. No lethal hexes to worry about running through. So I decided that I would um, choose a fairly aggressive board. Uh, the Moltscape is one of the new ones. I guess it, it's worth mentioning we also wanted to use the boards from the new box as well. Um, right. So limits the options a little bit, but so the, the one that I chose was the Moltscape. I set it up so that we were just squared up, uh, no offset. And, um, this one gives me four hexes that are fairly close to the front, one right on the edge, two in the next row, and then one, uh, three deep. So I can guarantee all my charges, especially because, uh, Gnarl Spirit Pack are crazy fast. Um, and it has a lethal hex right at the front edge. Um, so it, it does sort of give that 
that awkward, like if you try to come through, you kind of have to worry about positioning around that. Um, and damage is something that I want. So I was perfectly okay with that. Right. All right. So then for placing hexes, we, uh, we've got a few here that we are placing. Um, yeah. What was, so you, you had first placement. What was your thought there? So, so again, I'm looking to get um, hexes not in my territory yep. uh, and then as many as I can within reasonable range of my own starting hexes again so that I can grow that exploration count throughout the game. Um, so I'm pretty sure I put the first one in no one's territory if yes, memory serves. Yep. 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 Over yep. on one edge, I then placed one. Uh, so I was trying to give myself landing points inside your territory so that I could charge onto feature hexes because I know that part of the exploration mechanic is also that um, if I hold feature tokens in your territory, that it ticks back down. Right. So I want to give myself landing points. So I placed one uh, next to two of your deployment spots. And then what was your next one? Yeah. So I think the next one after that was uh, just across the line. It was, yeah, in on the opposite, opposite side of the board from yep. where you'd placed your first one. So you've got right. one in no one's territory and one just across the board. Uh, then I've put another one um, kind of center board, again, next to two of your deployment spots. And the final one. Yeah, so that play. last one I had uh, been yeah. kind of boxed out, and so it was deep in your territory. Uh, yep. So... Uh, yeah, which which I had kind of hoped for um, to make it a little harder for you to get to the last one. Right. Yep. And uh, that's that's all you place anymore these days. So you just have <laughs> just the five tokens now. Um, so then we draw cards and we decide on some mulligans. You're keeping everything. Uh, what right. do you uh, remember? Your thought process there? Yeah, so in my opening hand, I had Brave the Root Maze, which is a surge, score immediately if three or more friendly fighters are each in a cover hex or lethal hex or on a feature token. So mm. um, I had probably a little bit more confidence in that than, uh, than maybe uh, I should have. Um, I also had Pathfinders, which is a surge hybrid, score this immediately after a power step if your exploration count is at least twice the round number or your exploration count is at least equal to the round number and one or more friendly fighters are explorers. So that keys back to the upgrades that I picked earlier. Yep. Um, and then the last one I had in hand was Hereditary Claims. Um, so score this in an end phase if your warband holds two or more objectives and one or more of those objectives is not in your territory. And that's a two glory uh, end phase out of the Sons of Velmorn deck. Mm. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, so, so yeah, so two surges and then a two glory in phase. Um, I felt pretty confident in that. So, how about those power cards? Yeah. So, um, so one of the reasons that I decided to keep the objectives that I had was uh, based on the gambits that and and upgrades that were in my hand. So, on the gambit side, I had um, I started out with surprising swiftness, which is plus two move to the first friendly fighter other than a large fighter to make a move action in the next activation. So that pushes any of my fighters up to five move, which is going to help me get across the line, maybe reposition somebody to get onto an objective. Um, I had temporary Haven. So, um, 
Pick one, place one available feature token in a hex occupied by a friendly fighter not in your territory, or increase your exploration count by one if one or more friendly fighters are each on a feature token not in your territory. So ways to either get more tokens onto the board or to increase the exploration count, which I needed um, for um, for for Pathfinders. Um, yeah. And then uh, I think that the other things in there, I th- it was that kind of dreaded three upgrade hand um, where <laughs> yeah. you're not sure, you know, it's not totally clear. Like four upgrades, yeah, ditch it. But three, it's like, well, maybe. Um, so one was experience of ages. Uh, this range... Fighters range one and range two attack actions have ensnare, and you can reroll successes in the attack rolls. It's not the reroll mm. successes that I was looking for, more right. so the ensnare. Um, and then I also had Dowsing Limb, which is one of my explorer upgrades. Um, yeah. And I had Favored Sun, which is the plus one defense while your leader is surviving upgrade. So um, yeah. all valuable cards, particularly the Dowsing Limb that lets me become an explorer. And then after I activate, I can push so I can remaneuver, reposition myself. Yeah. Yeah. No, it seems, seems solid. Makes sense. Um, as for me, I definitely needed to get rid of my objectives. Um, I had three end phase in move or die. So have everyone moved. That's pretty easy to do, but it's just one, um, raise and pillage. This is basically going to be impossible in the first round. Um, to do this one, you need to have, um, a friendly fighter on a feature token in enemy territory, and well and well one or more and then each surviving friendly fighter that's in enemy territory has to have one or more upgrades so if you're lucky you can do this with one fighter most likely you're going to need to do it with multiple um so that's just not a good one to have in round one and then the other one is well rewarded which is a surge actually i so i guess i was not quite entirely correct but i think about it as like an end phase in round one because you have to have given your third or subsequent upgrade to a fighter um and putting three upgrades on a single fighter in one round is usually not that doable um and given my power hand it was completely impossible because i only had two upgrades um and in the power hand i had uh determined brutality which is accuracy boost to give you the cleaver and snare to yeah range one attack um brute resilience which is just plus one wounds always good um in control which lets you push all the beasts on the board one hex as long as you have one fighter who is not a beast and then uh gifted ferocity which is just plus one dice to range one attack actions and the last ploy is self-command this is a really good one to have in your first hand because it lets you uh remove a spirit counter from a fighter and give them a guard token um, so essentially you can get inspired after one activation with a fighter if you have this card in hand. Um, and so I wanted to keep the power cards mulliganed out, the objectives mulliganed into Oath of the Hunt, uh, which is have all your friendly fighters have one or more charge tokens and be in enemy territory. Um, it's an oath. So for folks who don't know oaths, you can declare uh, at the beginning of your first activation and then they are worth an extra glory. Uh, I had True Selves, which is another really easy end phase where you just have to have all your fighters either Inspired or Beasts, which is just essentially activate all your fighters. Um, And then Oath of Slaughter, which is the hardest one in here, um, where you have to get uh, either two, well, a second or subsequent kill 
in the same round or kill a large fighter. Um, but again, it's an oath, so you can get an extra glory if you declare it. So after that, we are ready to roll off for the first round in deployment. And I won the roll, so I had you start deploying. Yeah. Um, yeah, so and uh, so my strategy here um, was to bait um, with one of the three legitimate sons. Yep. Um, and then... Um, after that, I knew that I wanted to protect Velmorn, so he went the furthest back. Um, and then after that, um, I had Sir Jedrin, I think, dead center, or as center as I could get him, so he could either move on to yep. an objective or get into your territory or do work if you come into his, and then kind of finished out the flank um, with two of the other sons um, on either side. So just trying to spread out, give myself options, um yeah and be ready to weather whatever it is that you send at me yeah make makes for a lot of sort of suboptimal landing spots for me um because i want to be in your territory but i also don't want to be surrounded by your guys um because your inspiration mechanic requires supports and crits um so i deployed i put goral up front um when you activate him he goes to two block if you want so seems and he's also the slowest. So it, it's like, put him up front. Um, he's big and scary and hard to hit. So he's safe. Uh, I, I put Kira towards the front as well, because but on the opposite flank, because she is just scary and can get in and scything people like crazy. Uh, Lupin I had towards the center of the board because he has a lot of reach. Um, and his abilities to provide support are nice so i wanted to be able to activate him sort of flexibly um, and put him kind of wherever i want uh although you'll see here pretty quickly that i <laughs> i was maybe a little bit bold with him and then i put uh, the leader towards the back because he's speed six on his first activation if you want him to be and with his reach you can pretty much get where you want um, even if you place him far back and then we go into the first round. I took the first activation um, for so for my first activation because I was holding on to this self command card. I thought, well, Lupin can just go get inspired right away. Let's activate him. Uh, so he charged Lupin up. He's going to attack Marshal Falk. Um, so I rush in sort of center board, but not adjacent to anyone other than Falk and attack him with the silent dagger. And that attack ends up missing. And so... I don't think that attack missed, Bill. No, that, it did not. I think that attack did two damage on Falk. Yeah, uh, but looking at what I rolled, it shouldn't have. Oh, oh yes. No, I know why it succeeded because I rolled a double support. Uh, so that's the, the funny thing about this gnarl spirit pack. They've got so many rules. <laughs> so yep. part of, part of his overcome mechanic is that when you give him a spirit counter, he gets faster, but he also gets to count double supports as successes in his attacks and his defenses. So because of that, I managed to land that hit. I did two damage. I drove Falk back and yep. then, uh, right away in the power step, I was able to play self command which put uh, Lupin on guard and also 
I forgot I needed to declare my oaths. So you graciously let me do that right then and there. Um, and you did not play anything. Uh, no. Was there any power cards you were considering playing? Yeah, so I would, you know, I was just in that position where I was. I mean, I needed glory for any of my three upgrades, and then, um, so I think playing Sons of Elmorn, as long as it is relatively safe to do so, I think your first activation is almost always going to be Velmorn. Yeah. Um, and so I wasn't really itching to get into your territory. I mean, the other thing that was pushing me to not want to get into your territory is that you still had three unactivated fighters over there. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't see the need to really push ahead yet. Um, and so, uh, so I, I, you know, and I wasn't in a place where I could either increase my exploration count or drop a feature token where it made sense to do it. So yeah, there was nothing for me to do in this power step, unfortunately. Yeah. And so that meant that Lupin is now inspired. So he's on two dodge on guard, uh, providing support to all friendly beasts. Um, so I felt pretty good here, ready to go with Lupin. Yeah. Uh, so what what was your what are you doing on your first activation here? Yeah. So like I said, I think activating Velmorn first makes sense because then he can gain a command counter and then he's supporting all of the other grave guards. So like if they crit hit, then you know, he'll inspire and they'll inspire and 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 it's and life is good. So uh so I charge with Velmorn and mm -hmm. I roll a crit and a hammer. Yeah. <laughs> double defense. So there yeah. was still a chance. Yeah, but no, uh, no crits for me. So nope. Lupin uh, boldly goes and then goes home quickly. Yep. Uh, the crit for the three damage, and he's just right out of there. Um, yep. At this point, I'm feeling a little on edge because I'm thinking, oh man, did I just blow this whole game on the first activation? Uh but uh, nobody nobody plays anything in the power step. No. Nope. And so I am now into my next activation, and I'm trying to decide, okay, what makes the most sense? And I'm seeing Falk looking like he is ready to go down with one wound left, and I can potentially get some damage in on a charged Velmorn. Um, so I'm choosing Kira, charging in uh, with her special scything attack that she has when she is... Uh, spirit countered up so she has grievous and scything on this four fury attack so we go in and i believe i started out by attacking falk um and that attack was amazingly successful uh i i decided that after not rolling the one crit for the defense dice i should probably just roll all the crits yeah, I mean, uh, that seems fair. Yeah, so three crits and a fury. We take out Vel, uh, Marshall Falk, get that kill right away. And then we go after Velmorn himself. And uh, unfortunately, you return the favor with a defensive crit, and I do not get to do anything to Velmorn. Yeah. Uh, but that's okay, because he's already charged. That's right. Yeah, he can't strike back. So I immediately yep. spend my glory then, since I've just put Kira into a bit of a precarious position, and give her an extra wound. I have the glory now, and I put favored son, so I put plus one defense on to Thane, um, because I'm about to send him mm -hmm. in. And um, now you give so, him some move. <laughs> yeah, and then I give him some move. Um, 
Yeah. So what's yeah. Thane doing? Yeah, so Thane is moving from where he was uh, into a charge onto an objective um, and swinging on Goral. Um, and he manages to hit Goral. <laughs> yeah, uh, double crits, no less. Yeah. So not only does he get the hit, but he also gets the inspire. And had Velmore not been inspired, he would have been inspired thanks to yeah. the command counter. Um, so at this point, you know, I'm like, okay, I've got two inspired fighters already. I've already taken out, you know, we're one for one. Yeah. Uh, but but Lupin, I feel like, is more of a linchpin to your warband than Falk is to my own. True. Very um, true. And I've got, you know, I've got two block uh, sitting on a feature token, which is where my fighters want to be anyway. So, yeah, um, looking pretty feeling good. Pretty happy about my position at this point. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, I think it's worth noting Thane when he rolls crits in his attack, he has got this uh, trip ability which staggers his target. So Goral has not only uh, been hit for two damage, but he is also staggered at this point. Um, so I decide I'm going to come back in with Goral, try to get him his spirit counter so he can go up to two block to try and survive any additional attacks that come his way. And uh, we'll see if we can take somebody out on the way. Now, I have conveniently this Determined Brutality card that I can play here, uh, which lets me choose between Cleave and Ensnare on my next attack. And against your Warband, it's always going to be Cleave. Right. Uh, so then Goral gets to go in. He's basically coming back um, where he was, uh, just a little bit closer to your territory. Um, and he's trying to take out Thane here after his charge and so he manages to roll a crit yeah returning the favor as it were and thane cannot so three damage yep. with cleave uh and that that takes out thane yeah yeah i'm uh not as confident at this <laughs> point yeah uh, but that's okay yeah uh so sorry go ahead well, I was gonna say because I, you know, I've still got I've still got Jedrin with his giant sword, and oh, I've yeah. still got Helmar. So, big, big you know, boy. scary. Um, and then, in addition to getting that kill, uh, I also managed to score my Oath of Slaughter, which I had declared at the beginning of the round. So, killed my second fighter in the round, which then scores me an additional two glory off of the kill. Um, and I redraw, and the draw that I get is Oath of Ruin. Um, which is actually a card that probably shouldn't have even been in the deck when I realized that after I drew it. But um, so this is another Surge Oath. And this one you can score either by removing an objective token in enemy territory or have your warband take out an inspired enemy fighter in enemy territory. So I know that this one is now probably not really on the table for this round, uh, but I can set up for it in the next round. Yep. In the power step, I then go ahead and play in command or in control. So I have Sarkar, not a beast yet. And then I have Kira and Goral who have their spirit counters. So I can push each of them one hex. I only move Goral so that he is now adjacent to Velmorn. So we've got Kira and Goral both hanging out in enemy territory adjacent to Velmorn, who is already charged. Yep. Yep. And I think... Um... Yeah, 
So I didn't, I didn't have anything to do in this Correct. power step. So, um, so I passed. Yeah. Um, and so this, we're, we're going into my third activation and it's at this point, I'm still kind of hesitant to see where you're going to go with Sarkar. So I don't actually go in with Jedrin yet. Um, and I, and I had, you know, in my, in my mind, um, I had braved the root maze in my head. Uh, cause at this point, Belmorn is on an objective. Yep. Um, and then, uh, Helmar is in a position to get onto one. And then depending on how things go in your last activation, Jedrin may not charge at all. He may just move on to a cover hex to score yeah. me, brave the root maze, um, which is not ideal when you've got three enemy fighters potentially in your territory, but don't always win the game just by killing your opponent. No, um, sometimes you have to get through your objective deck. And so I had that in mind um, going into my third activation. So it's at this point, I actually just move Helmar onto an objective um, in no one's territory. Uh, yeah. And uh, I realized fairly quickly after you'd done this, that your infaction uh, score two end phase does not require that you be in enemy territory, just that you are not in friendly territory. And I realized right. as soon as you did that, that I was like, well, I guess you're going to score that because I need to get into your territory for my cards. <laughs> so I didn't have a counterplay at that point. Yeah. So that one worked out for me. And then I think in the power step, this is where I played. Um, Temporary Haven. My... Yeah. So this is the one that I just increased my exploration count by one. Yeah. Uh, because I had a fighter on a future token, not in my own territory. Yep. Yeah. And it's just starting to starting to build up that count. Um, for my final, then I just sent Sarkar cruising on in because I need. So I've got my oath of the hunt. So I need all my fighters to charge and I need them to all end up in your territory. So I just send him flying in. We're going to try and put some damage on to Velmorn. So he moves six into that scrum and uh, he goes in, he gets one double support. And unfortunately for Velmorn, he can't roll a single success. Nope. So we put two damage on him, drive him off of the objective. Right. At this point, I do not play any power cards. Um, I imagine you had a, a slight change of tactics after getting driven off of the objective. I did, yeah. So at this point, I'm not going to be able to score um, Brave the Root Maze. So I figure I should try with Jedrin to uh, to take down Goral. Seems my best option since he is staggered and gives me the reroll. Yep. Um, and I don't remember what I rolled, but I do remember <laughs> what you rolled. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so Jedrin at this point, he goes in and he swings gets a couple successes uh but i managed to crit out of it on two dice yeah so even with the re-roll no no dice um some girls hanging in there not going any place and that ends the round yeah but i did charge onto the objective you did yes that velmore was on prior um yep so that me hereditary claims when the time comes yes so we go into scoring in the end phase. I score first because I went first. I will get my Oath of the Hunt, which 
uh, because I had it at the beginning of the round, I had been able to declare. So another two glory end phase. And then I also managed to score true selves because all of my fighters are beasts at this point. So I get three glory to end this round, ending at seven for the first round. Um, I go ahead and put the uh, gifted ferocity plus one dice upgrade to Goral, um, mostly because plus one dice on Kira felt uh, wasted and it only implies two range one attacks. So I was a little nervous that Goral wasn't going to survive to use it, but I figured he was the best target for it. Um, redrawing my hand, I end up with focal point and uh, and savaged as the two new objectives savage is get a kill with a beast focal point is the one we had talked about earlier uh sort of the uh unafraid for your leader and then i drew into trophy of strength which is basically great strength um preternatural senses which gives you a defense reroll internal surrender which is one of these persisting ploys that's effectively a free upgrade to give plus one dice and make your fighter savage forever, but at the cost of a minus one defense, which isn't actually something I'm super concerned about. Wily Hunter, uh, which is a new upgrade similar to uh, Duelist. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, Duelist it, Speed, yeah. Yeah, Duelist Speed, that's the one. Um, and, and so just if you made an, an attack action in your activation, you can push the fighter one hex, and then the last one is Gifted Vitality, which at this point I actually feel pretty good to, about seeing um this is one where at the end of the action phase you can heal one the upgraded fighter so goral being injured uh, i'm pretty happy to see that come out if he can survive the next round for your scoring what do you get yeah so i scored two off of hereditary claims which brings my glory total to three um and seven to three is not awful in yeah in turn one of a rivals or nemesis game so i mean i was not thrilled with where i was but i was not <laughs> Um, yeah, you you're know, still in this. Uh, you know, there's still a chance, and um, you know, I've still got three fighters left, so um, so I have options. Um, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I did discard. Yes, you, you uh, discarded uh, brave, brave the root, root base. Base. Yeah, it just felt like I was going to be an uphill battle, and probably clog my deck if I. Yeah, uh, if you didn't go first and score it in your first activation, it probably was going to be a dead card, right? Right. Yep. Yeah. That was kind of, kind of my thinking. Um, I kept pathfinders, um, and then I drew up and, um, let's see, I drew into survivalist and then one other card that, uh, ended up not being relevant. <laughs> as the game went on um it was probably cautious venture sure another good two glory in phase um but uh doable at the time but yeah turned out to be irrelevant in the future yeah and uh your exploration count went up by one it did so now yep. at two on that exploration count that's right yeah so helmar was on that feature token not in uh not in and no i think it went up by let's see when does it happen at the end of the action phase yeah so before scoring it went up by one yep yep, yep. and then with my glory i put the dowsing limb onto um onto helmar 
because uh, he was already in a good position for it. Um, was. And then I'm pretty sure I, at this point I dis I discarded Experience of Ages uh, because I was more interested in the gambits that I was going to be able to get potentially from it. Yep. Yeah. Just clear the hand. Yeah. And then I drew up uh, and let's see. So when I drew up, I think I got Imperious Will, which is the give your leader one command counter and one guard token. It's mm -hmm. always welcome. Yeah. Uh, redoubled Fervor. Uh, and this is the reaction where you can attack again on a failed attack action. Um, and let's see what else it looks. I think uh, uh, Proud Sun. So reroll one attack dice and prospector so the another of my upgrades that makes a fighter an explorer um and this is the one that lets you react and place an available feature token yeah uh, yeah and then pretty good a charge token yep all right so we go into round two and you win this roll off i do and, uh you take it i do take it yeah because uh i have three fighters in in my territory uh that that need <laughs> to not be there needs to need to get cut down a little bit yeah so um so i swing with jedrin and i fail um yeah. and it's at this point you know retrospectively i wonder if maybe going in with velmorn would have been the stronger play um just because he's more accurate and then there's the potential for supports but you know as they say hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah, absolutely. And and I mean, from looking at it from my standpoint, I was really scared because Goral only had the two health left. And if you land the hit, he's just gone. Um, and without Goral, I don't have a lot of punch left. Um, Kira can only hit for two if she crits or if I inspire her. Um, I guess that's actually not even true. She can Claude Axes for two, but... yeah. Um, and then Sarkar is hitting for two, but but all your fighters are three or more wounds, so hitting for two doesn't even feel that great. Um, so I really do want Goral's three damage. So uh, I it felt like a good choice, you know, a good high risk, high reward kind of play. Um, unfortunately, didn't roll any successes uh, in the power step though. You got some cards to play. I did, yeah. So um, so well, and my exploration count went up by one. Yep. Um, no, no, I scored Pathfinder. Oh, that was later at that Pathfinder was <laughs> after, after yeah. a power step, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so in this, in this, uh, point I'm seeing Imperious will come out. Right. Yeah. So Imperious will comes out. So that's give my leader one command counter and, and one guard token. So yep. now, you know, Helmar's got supports if he wants it and Velmorn is on guard. Yep. Um, so then I go ahead and play Internal Surrender. Uh, so I'm going to give this to Kira because she only has one defense dice anyway. And um, this way she can go all the way up to five dice on her Scything attack um, or four dice on the Clawed Axes. And then you played Significant Find. Right. So, so this lets me place a, a token or increase my exploration count. Yep, and so now your exploration counts up to three. Yep. I then respond by playing the Trophy of Strength onto Kira. So she now has plus one damage. So now she can hit for three 
Um, so she's now scarier. Um, and if I can crit on the scything, I can do three well scything. Right. So that is what I decide makes the most sense. Uh, so I declare my oaths. The one that I have is Oath of Will uh, or Oath of Ruin. Um, so I'm hoping that I can kill Velmorn because he's already inspired and he's already wounded. Uh, at this point, we remember that you needed to score uh, Pathfinders. Yes. And so you will get that because we have an Explorer and a Count that is equal to or greater than the round, which is a pretty nice yeah. surge. So I decide um, I'm going to go big and hopefully not go home. Uh, Kira is charging into scything position to try and hit both Jedrin and Velmorn at this point. Uh, she's got five dice for scything, so I am feeling fairly confident that she can do this. We are starting out trying to swing at Jedrin so I can try and drive him away to make Velmorn a little easier to hit. And I managed to roll... Uh, three successes and a crit so uh even though jedrin <laughs> rolls his crit it's not enough um so he's taking three getting driven away so then there's less support for velmorn and then we go in for the attack on velmorn and again i get two crits and a success so again an attack that can't be defended because the crits are coming hot and heavy in this game and it is really hard to deal with that when the crits are coming like that. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think killing Velmorn there feels kind of like the tipping point in this game, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, so at this point, um, you know, I've lost... I mean, basically the key fighter. I have upgrades and, and gambits in my deck um, that require him. Um, yeah. So, you know, I'm not going to be able to bring anybody back if he is dead. Um, you know, I'm not getting the bonus supports from command counters. Um, so. Yeah. And then you just, you know, the bodies, you're just running out of people to just right. be in position. Um, so. So I think at this point, where where's your mindset? You're you're just gonna be trying to, you know, hold out as long as possible while you rack up the exploration count, or what's 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 the game plan now? Yeah, so I mean, I think that that pretty much sums it up. Is that see what I can do as far as building up the the exploration count, and um and hopefully um you know Jedra can Jedrin can kill somebody. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and slow you down at least a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I wasn't thrilled as I mentioned before with my position going into turn two, but I wasn't distraught about it. Um, yeah. you know, being down by three glory, um, with some good surges and decent upgrades and gambits in my hand, you know, it wasn't that daunting, but as soon as, uh, the five dice scything attack came in, um, it was more than enough to to make me to to put me on my back foot. Um, yeah, and make me yeah. start to really have to think about what my options were, if any. Yeah. So that kill also picks up the oath of ruin, like I just mentioned, and I uh, was able to score savaged off of that as well. 
um, which I actually realized a little bit later. Um, in the power step, I decide I'll put preternatural senses onto Sarkar to make him harder for Velma or for Judrin to try and swing back at. And then I will go ahead and put Wily Hunter onto Goral just so that he has a little bit of an easier time to move around um, when the time comes. So we go into your first activation, uh, second activation. Yep. So second activation, Jedrin, uh, I believe that I charged Goral again. Yep. Yep. Trying to take down a fighter. Uh, that two fury attack shocking no one fails yeah unfortunately i i double crit out of this one as well so i mean it, it's been all crits all day basically um and anyone who's played this game for any amount of time realizes that sometimes uh that happens and it's very hard to beat crits sometimes but jedron is now in no one's territory uh what is is there a plan there um for trying to just have more fighters in my territory. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So getting him in no one's territory allows me to make it easier to push him or move him later um, into uh, in deeper into your territory. Yep. Uh, get on to feature tokens to increase that exploration count. Um, yeah. So just trying to reposition. Also getting him not adjacent to everyone and their brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't don't give up like free attacks with supports. Right. Seems like a good idea. All right. So it looks like no one plays any power cards. Um at this point I'm holding on to embraced savagery, so I need to charge with all of my fighters in this round. So I charge Goral one hex just so that I can give him the charge counter and line up to try and take out Jedrin with a three smash attack. And of course, more crits are coming down. So Jedrin doesn't have a chance to defend and is taken out of action. And he is a large fighter, so I, that is for two glory. Yeah. Um, after the attack, I then use the Wily Hunter to push Goral onto the one of the objective hexes in your territory. Right. Yep. So I'm I'm looking at a potential uh, degradation of my exploration account. Yep. Uh, based on everything that's going on, so so that was nice. <laughs> so at this point, you played out Prospector. Uh, right. What does that one let you do? Yeah, so this is another Explorer upgrade. Um, I think the hope was maybe to get it onto Jedrin so that I had two Explorers, but uh, you removed that option from me. But it is the card that allows you to place an available feature token within one hex um, after this fighter's activation. Uh, you do give them one charge token, and as I alluded to before, you can continue to do this uh, if all of your fighters have charge tokens, and that's really easy to do. Uh, when, if you only have one fighter. Very, very true. Uh, this is what we had alluded to earlier in the episode. Uh, <laughs> when you get down to one fighter and and you're limited in your options, the new rules really help. Right. Um, so yeah, you play that out, getting prepared. I decide to just put out Gifted Vitality on Goral now because he's charged and I'm probably not really going to be able to do anything with him again um, of 
any value. So I just set him up to start being able to get healed in case you were to decide to try and come in after him. Um, and then we go to your next activation. And it looks like Helmar decides that he wants no part of what's nope. going on with these guys. None of it. He wants none of it. Um, so he runs into that, uh, into your territory, uh, onto that objective that I had to place deeper into your territory. Yep. Um, and then he reacts after his activation and he places uh, one of the available feature tokens, cover side up, not yep. snare side up, because yep. there's no reason to give you free stagger. Nope, definitely um, not. And then I give him a charge token. Yeah. So, so you're, uh, for placing that feature token, your exploration count goes to four. Um, we're to my final activation, um, or no, uh, third activation, just the third. Uh, I decide at this point that I'm going to cycle focal point because the likelihoods of you coming back into your territory for me to score this are pretty much zero. So I decide it's better to just get rid of that and hopefully pick up something else that I can score. Um, and I draw into Shocking Raid, which is another one of their surges for the Gnarl Spirit pack, where you score this immediately after making your second or subsequent successful attack in the same round. Um, so set up to maybe be able to pick that up in the final attack from Sarakar. And then we go to your final activation. You put Helmar on guard. I do. And then, and then I react yeah. after my activation and place one available feature token. So yeah. um, I have a fighter on guard uh, in your territory on an objective, which is great. Yep, can't um, be driven back. Can't be driven back. You're only unactivated fighter at this point who uh, could make a charge, can only do two damage. Um, so I, you know, I feel okay with as far with where my exploration count is at this point. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and its potential for the future. Yeah, so up to five exploration. Um, we don't play any power cards here, and Sarkar comes in for the final charge. Um, and again, get a crit, and it is not defended. So we'll put the two damage on, and that is another successful attack. So I do manage to score the Shocking Raid, and... Then also, that is the third fighter to get Savage. So I'll also score Embraced Savagery. Uh, draw into Raise and Pillage and Fully Committed. Um, raise and Pillage was the one I had mulliganed in the first activation. And then, or uh, mulliganed in the first round. And then Fully Committed is the one for having three or more friendly fighters in enemy territory who are Savage. So I know that I can't score that one, um, but I do have Raise and Pillage. Uh, going into scoring, you score first. What'd you get? I do, and so I score Survivalist. Um, where did it go? So score this in an end phase if each friendly fighter has one or more upgrades and or is in a cover hex or on a feature token. Yeah, which so, pretty much which, everything you wanted to be doing anyway. Yeah, yeah. So I'm there. Um, and at this point, uh, I am at a loss for uh, a lot of my options for scoring in phase. Um, yeah, kind of need two fighters, right? Right. Yep. Yeah. So uh, I think that I had Cautious Venture, which I uh, ended up ditching. 
Um, and then I, I think at this point I also had drawn into Relentless Unity. Yeah. I don't know if it was if I had it now or if it got discarded later, but um, you discarded here in the end phase. Yeah, yeah. So Relentless Unity Surge Hybrid score this immediately after an attack action that targeted a supported friendly fighter and failed, or was made by a supported friendly fighter and succeeded. So uh, without command counters or any other fighters, there is no way for or Helmar to get supports. So yeah. this card is no longer an option. Yep. Um, and then cycled out your two power cards as well. Uh, at least one of them was Lord of Bones, which you need your leader for. Right. Um, I uh, don't and then remember what the other one was. I don't remember what the other one was. <laughs> Let's see. It was. I think I, I think I went into a fugue state at this point. <laughs> it was Deadly Maneuver. It was the other one you were getting rid of. Okay. Um, which is the reaction that you can... Uh, during a friendly fighter's attack action, after declare act attack actions, you can remove a command counter and choose. Well, you can choose to do that if you want, and then you get to choose a friendly fighter other than the attacker and push them to be supporting. Um, right. Which you know completely impossible to do uh, in With this only one current state. Yep. Yep. So drawn up for round three. What what are you drawn into here? So at this point, I think that I have drawn um, uh, what did I, I got protected inheritance, um, which I thought, you know, seemed pretty good. So this is a um, two glory in phase for the Sons of Elmore dual score this in an in phase if your warband holds one or more objectives in your territory and two or more enemy fighters are out of action. Um, so I think in a normal game. Uh, it was probably going to be a good option. Yep. Um, I also get Sleepless Sentinels to so score this in an end phase if each enemy fighter is if, is within two hexes of one or more friendly fighters. Um, and that, you know, I think it's still a good card, but it's definitely one that you want to come out sooner rather than later. Yes. Yeah. You um, would have scored it early in the game if you had drawn it. Correct. Yep. And then I think the last one that I drew into was Regal Repost. So this is Surge Hybrid. Squid this immediately after a friendly fighter's attack action that takes an enemy fighter out of action if that friendly fighter has no charge tokens or that enemy fighter had one or more charge tokens. Um, mm. Which, you know, against your warband, if you're charging me a ton anyway, um, yeah. there's a good, you know, there's a good chance it's going to happen. I don't like it at this point in the game, but but it, I, I still believe in the card. I have faith in it. Yeah. Yeah, so, it makes sense. I mean, it's one to have in there for sure. It's just yeah. coming out at the wrong time. Right. And then on the power hand, um, I know that I drew into Altering Gear, which is that third Explorer card. Mm -hmm. What else did I get? I believe that I got Rise Again, which is the res card, but not useful because yeah. no command counters. I don't have a leader. Uh, familial bond. So reaction after this fighter's activation, push this fighter one hex towards the closest other friendly fighter. And then I think the last uh, uh, power card that I drew into was Proud Sun, which is a. I, I'm, I think I mistakenly said that I drew that in the last round. Um, so this is an upgrade for the Sons of Elmore and the Grave Guard. It allows you to reroll one attack dice. Yeah. Um, in this fighter's range one attack actions. So just trying to give him some accuracy in case he does need to punch back against someone. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. All right. And then uh, for the Gnarl Spirit Pack, so we've got Move or Die. Um, all my surviving friendly fighters had moved or charged, so get that one. And then uh, the Raisin Pillage, uh, I managed to have Kirill, or Kira and Goral both having upgrades with just Goral on uh, an objective. So ended up um, being able to score both of those for another three glory here. So then I drew into my last uh, objective, which is well rewarded, which this is like the exact time you want that one. Um, and then drew it into a full new hand of power cards. So going into the third round, the score is set at 18 to 5. Um, we're here to try and see what Helmar can pull out of his hat. Uh, we roll off, and just barely, you win the roll off, Jared. What do you What are you doing here on your first activation? Yeah, so um, I know that I've got some maneuverability, um, and I'm not gonna have any real chance of doing anything if I let you go first, um, yep. since I have one wound remaining. So I'm gonna take the first activation. And since I've only got one fighter and you can activate uh, fighters as long as all of your fighters have charge tokens, uh, then uh, I'm just going to charge with Helmar onto Sarakar. And I end up doing two damage. Yeah, and you get get the double crit there. Do, which is nice because he has the, the shield up reaction or crit ability, I guess is what it's called. Um, so he can go on guard if he rolls a crit in his attack action. Yeah. And then you drive me next to the lethal hex. So at this point, I'm feeling like Sarkar is in a little bit of a bad spot, but overall, not the end of the world. After you do this, uh, it looks like you reacted to push so you could get back onto that objective. I did, yeah. So I didn't, I didn't want to. Um, I mean, I'd already pushed you away, so there was no point in being adjacent to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to make sure that I was on uh, a feature token uh, for the Daring Delver's plot card to continue to increase that exploration count. Yeah. So, which is at six, by the way, at this point. So, um, in the before the scoring in round two, uh, it would have gone up by two because I had uh, a, an explorer yep. uh, on a feature token. Uh, but then it went down by one because Goral was on. Uh, yeah, Goral was on the objective, objective as well. In my territory. So we went from five to six. We sure did. So you use the scatter. You are easily able to, because you don't have to push the whole chain, which is very nice. Right. Uh, you do get back on there. You've got your guard token um, from your reaction. So you're sitting pretty on that objective. Uh, power cards, you play an upgrade here. Yeah, so this is a, it's at this point that I put Proud Sun um, onto, um, onto Helmar along with All-Terrain Gear, because why not? Yeah, why I mean, not? If he's <laughs> he's going to have one Explorer card. He might as well have all three. Uh, but the additional move is nice uh, in the event that I need to, like if I get pushed around like crazy or, or anything like that. I'll have enough move to get back where I need to go. Yeah. 
And uh, at this point, I'm looking to play some upgrades, and I realize that uh, Feral Alteration is now something I just can't play because um, all of my fighters already have four wounds. And the weird thing with this card is that it gives you plus one wounds, but it says you cannot give it to a large fighter. So if you give it to a fighter with four wounds, it immediately will break. Uh, so I <laughs> yeah. realized that I can't actually play the upgrade I wanted to. Um, decide that I will just go ahead and play Envenomed Spurs instead. Uh, I don't need it, but I just need to play an upgrade for scoring well rewarded. Right. So I do that, and I then am able to score well rewarded. Uh, I also play Fierce Competition to get an additional dice in the next attack action. And then we go into my act, my activation, and I decide that um, I'm just going to have Sarkar just shoot from where he is um, and rather than charging. Um, so he's got three dice on this attack, and he rolls a single success. And Helmar manages to defend it. He does. Yep. Hanging around. Does not want to go down. Um, so that that is me. Uh, no power cards are played. So what are you doing here for your next activation? Yeah, so I've got three activations left. Um, I've got the move to get back onto an objective. I've got uh, pushes to get onto objectives. So... You know, I'm fairly comfortable at this point moving Helmar off of the objective. Um, you know, not knowing entirely what your plan was. Um, mm -hmm. I just move Helmar to be adjacent to Sarkar. Yep. Um, just in the off chance that there is something else that you need to do, um, it will give me the chance to swing onto Sarkar, uh, you know, if you needed to do something with Kira or Goral at this yeah. point. Yeah. And, uh, I, I was glad that I didn't need to do that because being right next to this lethal with, uh, you know, pretty easily within getting killed, um, I, I definitely wanted to get Sarkar out of there. So in the power step, then I play the uh, call to heal. And since Sarkar is a beast, I can push him up to four hexes and I just push him away into your territory adjacent to Kira. So I've got a, a little scrum of my three guys in a line hanging out in your territory, just hiding um, because I need to have all my fighters in enemy territory at the end. Right. So then for my next activation, um, I go with Kira and I move her onto one of the objectives, the other objective that's in your territory. So I, at this right. point I'm figuring you're probably trying to aim for getting that 10, uh exploration surge for three so i decide well smart play then is to just try and deny that um so that's that's what i'm doing I, there's not a whole lot left uh for me to do here uh, so that's what i do i step over onto that uh no power cards played uh what is up next for you yeah so i'm i'm looking at the board state at this point um there's not a good way for me to um, potentially score anything that I have in my deck and also get in back into my territory to get you off of things. Um, so I cycle through one, my, one of my objectives. Um, yep. It's, uh, 
stealthy advance was the one that yeah. you cycled out. Yeah, so this is a uh, surge duel. Score this immediately after a friendly fighter's attack action if that fighter was in a cover hex or lethal hex or on a feature token when it made that attack action and that fighter was not in your territory uh, when it made that attack action. Um, yeah, there's yeah. no option for me to do this at all. And I'm curious to see if I will draw into anything useful. Yeah. Um, so. And what did you draw into? So I think that, that it's at this point that I drew into uh, the Regal Repas. So again, okay. I apologize, listeners. Um, previous round, I had drawn Stealthy Advance uh, yeah. as part of my draw up. And then when I cycled it, I drew into Regal Repas, which was the one that I described earlier. Mm -hmm. um, having killed someone with uh, a charge token or having killed someone with having no charge token myself. Yeah. All right. So uh, at this point, I decide I'm feeling pretty good about where I'm at. I just draw a power card for my third activation. Uh, don't have anything to do with them. Just just doing stuff. Uh, so then we go to your uh, final activation here. Yeah. And so on this one, again, I, I just want to maintain the power the the explorer count. Um, just to be in that habit. And so I move Helmar back onto that objective that is deeper into your territory. Um, he is still on guard thanks to the shield up. So, um, you know, if you're going to come in and do something about him, uh, you'll at least have to deal with a fighter that's on guard. Um, and if your attack misses and we tie, yeah, you, st you won't be able to push me off. Yeah. And so you're, you're sitting pretty good uh, to, just rack up a few more of those points. Um, at this point, no more power cards are played. I draw another power card to end the round. Uh, no real reason. Just, again, just doing stuff. So we get to scoring. Um, yeah. Did you score anything? I did not score anything, but before scoring, we would increase my, we would adjust my exploration count. So it would go up by two because yep. I have an explorer on a feature token in enemy territory. Um, but then it goes down by two because the, you have two fighters on objectives uh, yeah. in my territory. Yeah. So, yeah. The six. So still holding that six. Six seems pretty good. Uh, other than that surge for three, I think most of the things that care about an exploration count, you would never need more than six. Am I correct no. in thinking that? That is correct. So there's Pathfinders, which is your exploration count is at least twice the round number. So that yep. would be so six. Six. Or equal to if you have an Explorer. Yep. So um, only three. Yeah. So then three is the most that you would need for that. Um, I actually did not have the... Um, the three glory surge. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, um, for 10, um, yeah. and it's probably for the best. I, you would need, so just to kind of theory craft here a little bit on that card, I think that you would need, uh, fighters that you can reliably bring back and put where you want them. Yeah, I, I think so too. I also think you would want to have a larger warband, which thankfully right. most of the reviving warbands are big. Um, so then you can just sort of swarm your opponent's board and rack up a bunch of those extra points. Right. Yeah. 
And also hopefully give your opponent bad choices. Oh, yeah. Give him as many bad choices as you can. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So ending in a pretty good spot for the exploration, just don't have the fighters, um, which, I mean, not a whole lot to do about that. I feel like on the whole, if we just look at how your deck played, though, it did what it was supposed to do. Um, it just, the cards didn't necessarily come out at the right time or you didn't have enough fighters left alive to be able to score the stuff that you needed to. And that's not anything against the deck. Um, the strategy to me seemed like it was working great because if you had like one more fighter, um, you're pushing a lot more glory here. Right. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, and it you know it was the first time I had played this iteration of this deck, so yeah, um, you know it's there's a lot of anecdata in there. It is a very small data set. Yeah, so and and I think this this kind of gets back to, a little bit to some of the stuff that you guys do on your cast over on Battle Mallet, where you talk about sort of like how how are these warbands rated for how accessible they are to new players, and Sons of Elmorn, I think in this box are definitely the harder warband to play of the two. Would you agree? Yeah, I would agree with that. And, and, and that's how we rated them. Um, you know, when we kind of reviewed them was that I think that the, I think there's a lot to like, um, you know, the, the fact that your minions, you're not minion keyword in the game. (laughs) Yeah. The the dangle bros, if you will, uh, are all three wounds is a very big deal. Yes. Um, and that you have another five wound fighter is also a very big deal. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, surprisingly resilient. Um, right. I mean, they, they, there's almost no one shotting any of these guys, which is pretty nice. I mean, that, that is, that is nice and forgiving. Um, and with five fighters, that's not always going to be the case. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the accuracy can be a problem. If you're not managing your command counters properly. Yes, absolutely. Um, but then, you know, the nice thing is that, you know, there is that inspire, but the three trueborn sons have a separate inspire condition where at the end of each action phase, you can choose to inspire one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really nice. Um, I feel like this <clears throat> warband absolutely needs to have that because otherwise there would be games where you just never inspired it'd be almost impossible. Right. Um, I think it's a really nice balance that they like, we're like, okay, we know it's like this sort of swingy mechanic, but we'll give you a catch up on these three smaller fighters where it's like not hugely impactful that they inspire, but you do want them to be inspired. Oh, for sure. And I think that they're inspired, um, fighter stats, will then assist the rest of the warband in inspiring because they all add more. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I would say on the whole, I, well, I don't know that the box is super well balanced, just straight out of the box. I do think that the sons of Elmorn, um, definitely have some promise and they're definitely able to be, uh, probably piloted successfully with some reps and sort of getting some games under your belt with them. 
Um, if you were to do this again, would you want to use the Daring Delvers deck again, or would you prefer to have Tooth and Claw? I think that I, so especially after having seen you play it, I think that my preference would probably be for Tooth and Claw. Um, sure. It seems like the their objectives lend towards what you're probably going to naturally want to do with the Sons of Elmorn anyway. Um, both the Gnarl Spirit Pack and Sons of Elmorn, I think, are aggressive warbands um, that are looking to roll a lot of dice and kill a lot of fighters. Yeah, um, I would agree. And there are upgrades and gambits uh, in the Tooth and Claw Pack that allow you to add dice more so than there are in the Daring Delvers deck. Yes. Which is only going to help you to inspire your fighters, uh, which then makes them that much more accurate, uh, more able to do damage, um, and just continue kind of down that path of being aggressive. Absolutely. <clears throat> I... Uh... I, I would definitely agree. I think that um, Sons of Elmorn feel like an aggro warband and maybe you can flex, but like at the end of the day, you're you're wanting to swing dice um, and as many as you probably can. Like if you can add more, you probably want to. So right. I, I would agree. Um, and after playing it, I tend to agree that uh, Sons of Elmorn um probably needed to have the tooth and claw deck and i think that the gnarl spirit pack really like it as well um <clears throat> i do think it'd be interesting to have the uh gnarl spirit pack try to use the daring delvers because i think they maybe could do um some interesting things because they are so fast that they could right. get into enemy territory fairly easily um so uh yeah, for folks out there who want some ideas to play with the box, maybe maybe try it going the other way, even though um, on face value it maybe seems like the Gnarl Spirit Pack are like the hyper-aggro warband. Um, I think they they actually have enough tricks. You could you could probably swap those decks, and you might have a, a, a more interesting matchup too. Um, as for rounding out this game, um, I actually realized... Uh, in looking at the replay here that I actually goofed. I do not. So while we were playing, I thought I did score fully committed um, for having all my fighters in enemy territory, but I didn't actually manage to get them all savage. I thought I did, uh, oh. but, but Goral only had one wound on him because of the uh, gifted vitality. So he was not savage and I do not score fully committed. So a little mistake there on my part. I could have very easily delved and given him a stagger token um, or, you know, done something else to make him savage, but I didn't think about right. it. So actually do not score that. So the end score was 19 to five. Um, crits will do that in aggro matchups. Uh, you'll just score everything and hit all your attacks and um, just somehow sometimes how it goes but that is not really the point of nemesis the main point is that you are having fun with cool warbands um and you can quickly get into another game where you try different things because the deck building doesn't take that long so like we said uh you could if you're playing you know say you just got this box with a friend you tried it out where one one deck 
uh, went to one side and the other went to the uh, other player. And then you could just very quickly just swap decks for the rivals decks um, and have a new new deck ready to go without a whole lot of uh, planning involved, which I think is pretty cool that they designed the box that way. Uh, what were your impressions uh, sort of as like how how this feels for new players after having played it? Yeah, so I think that if I had to pick one more band for a new player to play, um, if I'm going to be demoing this box mm -hmm. uh, to a new player, I'm definitely going to let them pilot the Gnarl Spirit Pack. I think that's um, a safe choice. <laughs> yeah, so I think that Having in a game where there are four activations per action phase, having a four fighter warband um, just seems to make a lot of sense. Yep. And their mechanics are more straightforward. Um, their deck, I think, is more closely aligned to what a new player is going to want to do in the game anyway, which is to charge in and roll dice and see if they can't kill some things. Um, but the the way that the box is built, I think, is it goes a long way towards uh, helping out that new player experience and allowing people to maybe bridge the gap between their tabletop gaming group and their board game gaming group. Uh, sure. With a single box. Yeah. I mean, you just, it's all self-contained, right? You just open it up and are like, all right, here's your deck. You're ready to go. Um, just have to go through the rule book. You don't have to start with building decks at all. Which right. is uh, definitely cool for getting new people in. I agree. Yeah. Um, and and then there's a lot of value in the box itself too. In that um, each of the warbands has their own rivals deck, but then there are two separate rivals decks that like you don't even have to dip into Nemesis. Um, so there are three ways to play each warband. So you have their own yeah, rivals deck, and then Tooth and Claw by itself, and Daring Delvers by itself with each warband um so what how many ever permutations that is uh, <laughs> when it comes to playing against the other player obviously you would not be able to both run tooth and claw or daring delvers but yeah um there are a lot of different combinations which is what a lot of people are looking for in a board game anyway is yeah. the replayability right Absolutely. like you don't want to open it only be able to play it once and then have that experience be exactly the same every time yeah, yeah, you want those different experiences, different different strategies, um, and like you say, there's there's plenty of, of options there. That is a very cool thing. I really enjoy this box. I think they did a really good job with it. Um, I'm looking forward to the rest of the releases for this season. I think they are on to a lot of good stuff, um, and it will be fun to see what else we get in the nemesis space uh any final thoughts before we wrap up here um if you can find dice that roll crits more often than other dice, oh yeah it will it will go a long way <laughs> roll roll crits pro tip uh yep. absolutely all right <clears throat> so uh, that is our Nemesis Battle Report. Um, <clears throat> if you've enjoyed this and you want more Nemesis content, as we've mentioned, head on over to check out Battle Mallet. They do lots of Nemesis content, lots of Rivals content. 
stuff that's breaking down specifically those types of games. Um, and if you'd like to get in touch with us about this episode, anything that you thought was interesting, anything that you want to comment on about the box, the warbands, these new rivals decks, or anything else, you can reach us at WTHCast on Twitter or whatthehexcast at gmail.com. Uh, if you'd like to find out more about the Gnarlwood and this area of Gur, uh, you can head on over to themortalrealms.com. We've got a couple other podcasts in our uh, sort of podcasting group um, that cover uh, both Warcry, which is also in the Gnarlwood right now, as well as the overall story of the Age of Sigmar universe. So if you're even remotely interested, head on over there, check those out. Um, as always, we'd like to thank Games Workshop. Um, they they had provided us a preview copy of this box so that we could start prepping uh, ideas for content and getting through decks early so that we could uh, reach out about doing this battle report. Um, coming up next for what the heck's uh, not 100% sure. We, we are potentially doing some... Uh, warband breakdowns, trying to sort of do a deep dive into these two new warbands and what you'd want to do with them in championship. Um, now, this is something I didn't prepare you for, Jared, uh, but but Davey has been quizzing me on flavor text on some of these cards lately, so I would like to uh, pass it to you to try and guess as to which card has this flavor text. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. The flavor text is, who needs tactics? Oh man. Um, <laughs> oh gosh. I, uh, let's see. It's in let's this see. new box. It's in the new box. I was going to say, it's in the new box. Is it a gnarl spirit pack card? It is not. Ah, uh, so tooth and claw then. It is tooth and claw. Okay. Oh gosh. I, I don't know the card names. Um, can I look those up really quick and cheat <laughs> without actually looking at the cards? Um, it's right, an objective. Who needs, who needs tactics? It's an objective. Yep. Um, oh, gosh. Uh, embraced savagery. It is not embraced savagery. Dang. Although it is a good guess. It yep. is fully committed. Fully committed. Oh, okay. Who needs tactics? Sense. Who needs tactics just when you just them. full send every yeah. time? Yeah, just charge in. <laughs> all right that's a good game i yeah, like that absolutely and uh for your recommended listening for this episode uh not not nearly as uh heady as a choice as david would probably pick but uh i've got my nemesis from five finger death punches got your six album for what the hecks i've been phil and i've been jared So we're going to be doing another one of our audio bat raps, and we're going to specifically be tonight talking about, uh, oh, dang it. <laughs> I'm going to start over. Thanks for great.
great battle rep. <laughs> Good thing silences are easy to edit out. That's right. 